Make that. Well, good morning. It's a beautiful day, so everyone's happy. It's always good. Extra happy because of Anya. Extra happy today. Okay, well, we've um, basically, if you've not been with us, um, every three to four months we look at um, a core value. So, this is something that is absolutely central to what it means to be part of this community. Um, So the last three Sundays, we've been looking at this core value, care for one another. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about today. So far, we looked at... First week, we looked at how love is the motivation for caring, and it is also the fuel. Um, We looked at how real care comes from knowing completely that you are loved by God and that kind of uh, fuel and motivation comes from that love that God puts up in us and enables us to then go and care. It's not um, about following rules, it's not about being good people, it's not about conforming to expectations of what we should or shouldn't do because we might attend a church on a Sunday morning. It's not about that. It's about an experience that we have as we understand and and experience that God passionately loves us. And from this, from that, we overflow with care for other people. Last week, um, we looked at caring for one another, how that might look in a community of people, this idea of living a life of love, which um, comes from from um, one of the biblical texts. We saw a little picture of the very first believers in Jesus and how they gathered together, how they shared everything. Nobody was in need of anything and how they genuinely cared for one another. We saw how um, a writer in the New Testament wrote to them and he told them to strain and stretch themselves to love each other, to work hard at it like athletes. It wasn't just something that they just think, oh, I don't feel like it today. But actually, they need to put a bit of effort in themselves as well. And this week, uh, we're going to explore a bit more practically what caring for one another might look like through this idea of serving one another. Often in the New Testament, these kind of words are used interchangeably. Um, We've got uh, Jesus saying that you should love one another and love your neighbor. And in other places, we see that it says serve one another and serve your neighbor. So we're going to look at serving one another today. So, nice and straightforward, first off, why should we serve one another? Now, when I was thinking about this, I sounds weird, I go in different directions, as we all know, um, but I was thinking about that book, Love Light Languages. Anyone read that? There are four love languages. Um, the first one, um, they're basically the author breaks everyone down to four nice, simple categories. <laughs> so um, I'll go through them just very quickly. The first one is touch, that you might feel and experience love from others through the medium of touch. So you might be the kind of person that you feel very secure in your love if uh, your partner or your friend holds your hand. 
Okay, that might be something that you, oh, I know they love me because they're holding my hand today as we walk into church and they don't care what anyone thinks. Okay, the second one, okay, would be words of affirmation. You might be someone who really likes to hear uh, your friends or your family or your partner saying, I think you're great. You're so gorgeous. You're such a wonderful person. I really admire how you did that. Okay, so that's the second one. Uh, The third one is gifts. You're the kind of person who feels loved, completely secure in that love, if you get gifts from them. They give you little things. When they've been on a business trip, they bring you back the soap from the the bathroom. (laughs) And if you're laughing, you're probably not about gifts, you see, because I have a very good friend, and she's all about the gifts, and it doesn't matter what I bring her. I can bring her half a tube of used shampoo from my weekend away, and she will know that I thought about her while I was there. It sounds insane to me. Now, I'm not about any of those. I I like them. They're brilliant. Bring them on. That's brilliant. But it's not my number one. My number one is acts of service. Okay, so if you're in this category, you're the type of person who likes uh, things done for you. You know you are loved, for example, if you, you you get in and the washing's been hung out. That person's thought about you while you were out and about. Or you're tired at the end of the day. And um, instead of going, oh, that's sad, isn't it? Oh, we had a rough day. Oh, well, never mind. But they actually go then and make the tea and come back and rub your feet. (laughs) That's how you know that you are loved. That would be me. I'm a big, fat service lover. And I've been looking for that. And I I did finally find it. (laughs) Okay. Now... This is from 1 John. Okay, this is a, new, uh, a letter in the New Testament uh, written by a guy named John. He's one of Jesus' disciples, and this is what he writes. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And I think God is a bit of a fan of acts of service. (laughs) Okay, when God showed us his love, he didn't say, I love you guys. It would be great when you've sorted yourselves out. Come and see me. (laughs) But actually he came and it says he demonstrated his love. He showed practically, physically, everything that he had. He gave completely to us an act of complete service to demonstrate his total passion and love for for us his created beings. The book of James says, um, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. If we meet someone who is in need and we just say, just going to pray for you, and then off we go, then something is missing. Yes, we need to pray, yes, but 
faith, our, our showing that we actually love God. We want to serve him. We delight in him. We've received from him. We know all this amazing stuff he's done for us has got to be worked out in actions. If we see someone that God so desperately loves, who he sacrificed everything, including himself for, that's how much he loves them, and yet we don't do anything to help them, then how can we say that we've loved God? Don't panic. I got a bit at the end. (laughs) Okay, so we are commanded to love each other and love is shown in actions so how should we serve each other um i've got to say i think we are a great community of servers i've got to say that even this morning i came in uh the tea and coffee wasn't ready i didn't know that was going to happen i wasn't ready someone came straight up literally in a second and said can i help you and i was able to say Yeah, thank you. That would be really helpful for me this morning because I haven't really got time to do this. And I think we consistently see that in this community. I bet every single person here can immediately think of a situation, an instant, a moment where someone else in this gorgeous community has helped them, has just said, do you need help with that? Do you need a lift? Can I do something for you? Can I look after your children? Can I do that? Because that... I've got to say, is part of being a part of this church, and I see it all the time. But we're going to look at three different ways that maybe not, some are practical, but not so practical. The first one we're going to look at is carrying each other's burdens. So it says here, brothers and sisters, this is from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, but all the texts are going to come up this morning. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin and you live by the Spirit, uh, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What he means by fulfilling the law of Christ is that when Jesus said, love your neighbor, as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, so forth. Love your neighbor as yourself. Fulfill the law of Christ. And it can be summed up, it says here, in carrying each other's burdens. And in church, we've got different burdens. Some of us have very little to carry. I'm probably in that category at the moment, praise God. But I haven't been in the past. I certainly have known the care and the love of this community in the past when I've had much to carry. And some people you meet, every time you meet them, something else has happened. But we're not meant to carry it on our own. We're a community. God's put us together. He never made us to be individuals. He never made us to live in little boxes where we just say, I'm not going to tell anyone else this is our thing. We carry this. Actually, he made us to be in relationship with each other. Paul mentions two different types of burdens here. The first one is being caught in sin, being held captive. It can feel a real burden when we're really struggling with something. Um, Paul mentions it in the New Testament when he says, I want to do this, but I end up doing this. 
that kind of tension we have where we want to change, we want to be different, we want to do things differently, but we seem to continually end up repeating that and falling down into that pattern again. It can be utterly demoralizing, destroying. You've kind of got a pattern of repentance and action and guilt and repentance And when we're in that, we need people alongside us who are going to walk with us in that, who can be absolutely honest about what we're struggling with. And I've got to say, even of my limits, I don't know much, but I hear bits, you know. And I know there are people in this community that do that. They meet regularly with other people, men or women meeting together, saying, I am struggling with this. Can you walk with me? Can you pray with me? Can you ask me each week, how are you doing? Have you been tempted? Can I pray with you? Can I help you? Do you want to ring me in the night? That's the sort of thing that Paul's talking about. The second one, maybe the wider burdens, isn't it? It's struggling maybe with finances. Can you help plan someone's finances? Uh, It could be job worries. Could you help someone write a CV or give them a mock interview? It could be practical stuff. Can you support someone? Maybe they don't get to go out very much. They're a single mum. Maybe you could provide childcare for them while they go and work and they don't have the burden of paying out extra childcare. Do you know, every single one of those I know has happened in this community. And I just think, I I will celebrate that this morning. We do care well, and I hear about it, and I see it a lot. The second way I'm going to think about is to bear with one another. Bear with one another. Let's read this one. This is from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Loving each other in church is tough. Even in a great church like ours, we annoy each other massively. Come on, we do. We aggravate, we irritate, we aren't perfect, we sin, we say things we shouldn't say, we upset people. We're not perfect, are we? We're not going to be perfect until Jesus returns. And until then, we have got to bear with one another. We have got to show the same patience that Jesus shows for us, that we are not perfect, but we're on a journey going there. I know someone upset you recently. Has someone said the wrong thing? Maybe it was just a throwaway comment, but it's there and it's irritating you and it's eating you and you're thinking I don't want to forgive that person but it's really clear isn't it from the New Testament that we need to forgive as Christ forgave us and he didn't forgive with that kind of I'm not quite ready to forgive you yet I might do it tomorrow or I don't feel like forgiving you today um, but I'll see how I feel tomorrow Jesus forgave us completely on that cross. Everything we had done, everything we were doing, everything we would do, 
because of his amazing love for us. It's not an option. He remembers our sins no more. And then he goes on to crown us with love and compassion. He gives us a future and a hope. That's how Christ has forgiven us. Who are we to say, actually, God's forgiven you, but I don't think I can. Because that comment, we've got to bear with one another. Third one, speak into each other's lives. Let's look at this. This is from First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just in fact, you are. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good. Sorry. <laughs> to always strive um, to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And just a little bit next. This is from Colossians 3:16. So let the message of Christ dwell richly among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Here Paul in both of these Paul talks about the whole church kind of ministering to each other, caring. He says, you know, you've got leaders, that's fine, they're there, they teach you, admonish you, whatever. But that doesn't let you off the hook. Every single person in the church is responsible. Everyone has a role to warn each other, to encourage each other, to help, to teach, to admonish. Everyone is striving together for the good of everyone. We can't just say, hmm, I wish someone would do something about that. I wish the church would go and see that person. (laughs) I wish the church would do this. And you think, oh, who is the church? We are the church. And we are called to work together. All of this, I've got to admit, sounds exhausting and impossible, doesn't it? In fact, it's no wonder I think people stay at home and watch sermons on their laptops. Because it is hard work doing this, being a part of a community. So I'm just going to do three quick things of how this is possible. First thing, knowing who you are. When Jesus served, if you look in John chapter 13, which uh, John Ayrton did the first week, he says, now that I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Talking about serving. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Okay, so we've got very simple teaching there. I've done it, you do it. You're not bigger than me, so get on and do it. Okay, very simple. And we looked at this passage in week one. But where did Jesus' love and motivation come from? How was he able to do that? Aha, 
I didn't write it up. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Verse 3. I'll read it to you. You have to listen very carefully this time. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew. That's important, isn't it? So verse 4, it says, So he got up. It's very much a so, he knew, so he got up. Think about Jesus, the most secure person you could ever meet. He knew exactly who he was. He knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. He knew his father's complete love for him. He couldn't have been more secure in who he was, who, how loved he was, and his role. And out of this, so he got up. It says he knew, so he got up. When we know who we are, when we're completely loved, when we understand that, we are able to do anything. It doesn't change who we are. We can have the most loving parents or the most loving of partners We can have this or we cannot have this. What we need is the unchanging, complete love of God, which is what we sang about in the song that followed Anya's dedication, that unchanging, flowing, overflowing love of God. And when we look at what Jesus did on the cross, as he came, as he emptied himself, as he hung on the cross, we are reminded of God's unchanging, overwhelming love for us. And it enables us, no matter what our situation, to find security, to overflow with loving kindness. When I um, went to Bible college, there were two things that happened when you arrived. The first thing, you were stripped of your title So there were people there who had been CEOs of companies. There were people who had headed up hospitals. There were people who were pastors and worship leaders. And these, you know, I felt about this big next to them. But the first thing you're told is your title's gone. You are student. And the second thing you're told, you're given a mop. (laughs) These are the two things you're given. And it's a great thing because it's a leveler of who are you? You know, whether you're doing that or whether you're mopping the floor of the canteen, who are you? Are you able to serve out of that secure place that God knows you, he created you, he has a plan for your life, he's gonna, uh, be with, you're going to be with him forever, you are totally loved, you can serve in that place of utter security Or do you need your title and your power and your authority? It's a great place to be. Jesus completely emptied himself, it says, when he came. He didn't need any of that. He knew who he was. The second thing, the Holy Spirit working through us and the fruit of that is love. In the passages that we've looked at over the last few weeks, it's really clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to care. 
In Galatians, we're told to serve each other's humbly in or through love. It's by the love of God, not by our own love, not by our own strength that we're empowered to serve. Galatians, we're told the fruit of the Spirit, that is God in us, is love. It means what grows in us as a result of God in us, of having him in our lives, is love. It's not something we whip up or we work really hard at or we try to follow rules and I will be a nice person, I will help people, but rather the fruit, God at work in us, is love. And finally, being with one another. It's the last one for today. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We can't even begin as a community to do any of this if we don't spend time together. How will we know what someone practically needs if we don't know their lives? How will we know what they're struggling with if we don't ask them? If we don't spend time, how can we teach them? How can we admonish someone? That is How can you admonish someone you don't have a relationship with, you don't know, you don't talk to, they don't know how much you love them? How can you encourage someone when you don't know what they need encouraging for? If we're going to spur one another on, it's never going to be about sitting in rows on a Sunday morning. Even a bit of coffee afterwards is brilliant. Don't get me wrong, we're committed to meeting together as a church. But it's got to be more than this, hasn't it? We're never going to really care if we don't wrestle and spend time with people. As we go home from here, we need to engage, we need to wrestle, we need to work out what and how it looks. That's why we think small groups are so important. We go on and on and on about them. Are you in a small group? Are you going to your small group? Do you know your small group? Because if you're not in that small group, Where are you living this stuff out? How can they really annoy you if you don't spend any time with them? (laughs) We've got to do it. So, let's finish there. But care for one another is our core value. And I'm not going to say we're not doing it well because I think we are. But it's always good for us, isn't it, to look at what the Bible says, to know where we should be aiming so we can spur one another on, so we know, I actually need a bit more of the Holy Spirit here. I need God to fill me with his love because I am struggling. And I don't think there's anyone here that says, I don't need more of God. I don't need more of God's grace today because I don't need to know more of his love for me because I'm really struggling to love that person. So let's finish there. But those three things, know who you are. We need to be in the word of God, knowing what he thinks about us. We need the Holy Spirit growing that fruit in us. When we're struggling, it's not about beating ourselves up and saying, I'm really bad, I should have cared for that person. But it's about coming to God and saying, I'm struggling, God, and I need your power. 
I need the love that you have. And it's about being with each other. We've got to do it, even if it's not so good all the time. We've got to do it. Let's pray together.